0: What is back, Whisper Nation? Uh, I did that on purpose, hundred percent. I said that on purpose. You know it. We are back. The boys, the boys are back in town. We got uh, Austin Sear and Big Travi. We're doing the matchup breakdown part two, part two for week four. We're gonna get you ready, set, and ready to roll this weekend, right here on the Fantasy Whispers. Right here.
1: That's right. Like Johnny tried to say, we will be talking the second half of the NFL slate of matchups and all the fantasy football implications of Sunday and the Monday night game. But if you like that fresh fantasy football content and you want more of it, consider subscribing over on the YouTube channel and we'll give this and our other videos a like on your way in. That being said, welcome in, Whisper Nation. My name is Big Travy. You can find me on Twitter at Big TravyTFW. I am joined by the one and the only Johnny Game Time Hicks, who you can also find on Twitter at Johnny underscore
0: Game Time what's good Johnny what is back oh dude everything football is back these games are back hey fantasy stars are about to be back and we're gonna talk about it because we've got some big name stars in this matchup breakdown uh second part that I'm excited to get into I got some good facts baby
1: we got another big name on the other mic and that's Austin sear who you can find on Twitter at Austin underscore R underscore sear what is going on Austin
2: I got my autumn shirt on again, dude. It's like the third day of fall, and I feel awesome. Yeah, dude.
0: The weather's changing a little bit in L.A. How's it doing out there in Phoenix, Johnny? Dude, it, it, like, it's getting real nice, Clark. Like I'm really enjoying the dog walks now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah! love we this. Love, love this time of the year. You get to we get a crack open the back patio while watching some football, get that nice little cross breeze in there. Oh, wonderful. It's like the thing.
2: equivalent of sticking one leg out of the covers at night.
0: Yes. Yes, 100%. Uh, a
2: little warm, a little cold. All good. Can we oh, be breaking out that. those sweats real soon?
1: Let's go, boys. Well, we're going to get into these matchups and see who's warm and who's cold within the matchups, who we like in these particular games on Sunday. But before we do, I want to talk a little bit about a question that is on my mind right now. So we're looking at the top 12 at the running back position. It seems to be one of the most important positions in fantasy. When we're looking at it, we've got a few guys in there that were not drafted in that range to be your top 12 running back. There's exactly four of them. So, Johnny, Austin, I'm going to ask you a question here, and I'm going to give you these four guys that are in there. And of those four guys that that are in the top 12 that were not drafted there, who's the most likely to remain and who is the most likely to fade out? So, contenders versus pretenders inside Mm. that top 12. Austin, I'll start with you. Number three is DeAndre Swift. Number Mm -hmm. seven is Kareem Hunt. Number nine is Cordarell Patterson. And sneaking into the top 12 at number 11 is Jamal Williams. So of these four guys, which is most likely to stay? Which is most likely to go?
2: DeAndre Swift is the most likely halfback here to stay. He's got the talent. The role on the team is the only thing we were really wondering if he was going to hold on to. Now, Jamal Williams has made an impression. It's why he's in that top 12 also. But DeAndre Swift is the talented back. He's the one who brings a real impact to the field. Jamal Williams does his thing, but that thing I don't think is going to be remaining in the top 12. So I think Jamal Williams is going to fade as this bad Detroit Lions offense continues to do its best. I just don't see Jamal Williams staying in this position, but I like DeAndre Swift a lot. I like his talent. I like the opportunity, and I like how the game strip is likely going to favor Swift's fantasy production. I
1: like that. I I could I could make a case for Kareem Hunt to be the one that stays in there just because of the offense. But I do agree with you that the talent is supremely there with DeAndre Swift. Johnny, any differences in what Austin said there of the one that would stay and the one that would go with inside the top 12?
0: Where was DeAndre Swift? Number three. Oh, yeah. I just wanted you to repeat that one more time because it was sweet hearing that Uh, DeAndre Swift, no doubt, is going to be the guy who stays there. He's an RB one. Uh, I would also agree that uh, that I do think Mike or that I do think Williams ends up being uh, the guy that does end up falling out here of these three that if I had to like bet on one uh, simply because there are more and more uh, indications that Swift will be more and more involved in this offense. We had the coach come out again this morning and talk about how they want to get Swift the ball more uh, or the ball more, uh, which is good news for Swift. But I do still think that Williams ends up being a decent flex play for you uh, if you either have bye weeks or if you need uh, you know a fill in due to some kind of injury or COVID. Uh, I do think he ends up being a, a decent flex. But I do like uh, the answers that my co-host uh, also said on this answer because none of them said DeAndre Swift. Well, Big Travi tried to.
1: No, I don't think DeAndre Swift will fall out of the top 12. I do think he's the most likely. I do think there's a case that Kareem Hunt could be made as one of the more likely guys. I think he's definitely a second in that cluster of four. All right, let's move on to part two of the matchup show as promised. And our first game is the Miami Dolphins hosting the Indianapolis Colts. This is a 43 point over under Miami favored by two at home here. And we have got a situation with this Carson Wentz double ankle sprain led. Colts offense that really gives us a little bit of pause when trying to project the offense, but we can, you know, be curious and want to know more on Jonathan Taylor. And so Austin, I'll kick it to you here because this is a game that Vegas projects to be a little bit closer, low scoring should mean the running game stays involved. Is Jonathan Taylor set for more of an RB two season this year? Is it more of an RB two like play this week? And when can we start Hines? Is this a good game for it?
2: Uh, yeah, so I think Jonathan Taylor's in a tough situation because of the quality of the team right now in Indianapolis. He's suffering because of that, and I think it's going to get worse, at least for a little bit. Um, Jonathan Taylor right now is the number 19 halfback per Pro Football Focus's rushing grades, the head of Dalvin Cook, ahead of Austin Eckler and Aaron Jones, but he's the running back number 29 In standard, this team really doesn't know who it is right now. They have quarterback questions, wide receiver questions. That really is going to hurt Jonathan Taylor. I see basically three possibilities for Jonathan Taylor the rest of the season. He either picks it up later on in the year like he did last season as the coaching staff wises up and starts feeding him heavy volume. Uh, He packs it up and goes with a business decision of sorts, kind of like we saw Ezekiel Elliott do last year. If this winless Indianapolis Colts team continues on that path, Or the third option that I see is this kind of sad pedestrian path continues the rest of the season and your first round running back becomes a little bit touchdown dependent and falls back a little bit for you. So there, there are three full possibilities all the way from him not completing the season, which I think makes sense from a, business decision I could also see him really getting it going like he did last year or, or this could just keep it going it's going to depend on the overall quality of the team you asked me about Neam Hines though as well and when am I going to start Hines um, definitely like if my normal flex got hurt and I had him rostered but I'm curious to monitor Hines as the season progresses his usage and production has always been volatile six catches last week um, one catch week two five week three between th- three and 35 yards on the ground it's so like there's going to be a game where he gets a touchdown or busts out for a big run, um, but he's going to need one of those things, I think, to get him double digits. And those games really aren't going to be happening all that often or in a, in a sense where you can rely on them. And Jonathan Taylor also has pass catching abilities to him. I get JD McKissick vibes from Nehem Hines. You're going to have big games from him. But if you can know when to predict them, I'd be curious to know when those ones are because I just see Jonathan Taylor is a back who can do it all. It just depends if they're going to let him do that or not.
1: It feels like when we get into these situations of the past catching backs, like we're trying to predict the future even more. I mean, part of fantasy football is predicting the future. We're trying to be these fortune tellers, but then we mm-hmm. get even grant more granular with it when we're like, oh, when is J.D. McKissick's game? When is Naheem Hines' game? I don't know if we're going to be able to tell, but I will just say this. If you're putting a finger on the pulse of this game, a 43-point over-under with a close game projects to be something that's a little bit sloppy, which I think would lend to a Jonathan Taylor game more than another game where the you know Wentz and the boys are, are projected to be down. So mm-hmm. that's the question. Question We have when we look at the pass catchers, because we look at Michael Pittman and he's been an absolute target monster. Twenty seven percent of the targets uh, on the team right now in that market share. Twenty four targets over the last two weeks. He's averaging a healthy thirteen point six yards per reception over the last two games. Unfortunately for Pittman and those guys that scooped him up or uh, had him as an offseason, you know, or a late. Uh, uh, yeah, an offseason like stud that they were going to try and sleeper, you know, uh, into the year. He's going to face Xavier Howard this week. Uh, that's PFS number five cornerback. We're projecting him to go up against Xavier Howard 60% of his routes. Um, I'm thinking it's going to be a long day for Wentz and his ankles and this Dolphins passing attach. I would be benching Michael Pittman where I could. He's definitely one of the sits for me this week. I don't think there's much else, Johnny, you could make a case for on the, on the Colts side of the ball for this mm-hmm.
0: week just based on what we've got going in Indy and i won't i won't do it because <laughs> uh, i don't want to uh yeah i'm I'm staying away from these guys
1: okay so then on the other side of the ball we've got miami and so i will have you make a case here for uh gaskin who his get had salvin Ahmed worked in had malcolm brown worked in still is showing some great advanced metrics but just has not got it going in this offense do you think brissette's addition this week a close game as we projected for jt is a good time for gaskin here
0: I do think he's a decent play for you this week. I think that he's a low end RB two with upside Indy giving up 18.2 fantasy points per game to opposing running backs. I want to ask you this because uh, Travi in our notes, we had talked about, uh, or, you know, we always give each other little indications of, of what we like to talk about and big Travi in there trying to get a little sneaky, but Oh, tra- trade time to trade Gaskin. Are you, <laughs> are you out of your mind? I'm gonna trade hey, I want to play a little game. Uh, All right, like maybe Maybe you should. Hey, hey, we'll do a little I like to play a little game. All right, you know, a little uh Halloween rendition. Okay. I'm gonna ask my co-host here. I want you guys to give me your answer. All right, be honest here. All right. Which player out of A, B, and C would you rather have? Okay. Player A has a 57% snap share, 55.8 opportunity share, number seven in targets. Averages 14 touches a game, averages a 5.1 yards per carry. Number two in breakaway runs, averages 10.5 fantasy points per game, has yet to score a touchdown. Player B is in on a 50.8% snap share, 58.2% opportunity share. Number 19 in targets, averaging 17 touches per game, but only averaging 4.1 yards per carry number 25 in breakaway runs, averaging 10.7 fantasy points per game, so slightly higher, zero touchdowns as well. Now, player C here, he has a 50.7 snap share, 48.2 opportunity share, 35 in targets, 11 touches per game average, but he's averaging 6.1 yards per carry, number three in breakaway breakaway runs, He is averaging 10.6 fantasy points per game, and he has a touchdown. So I asked my co-hosts of A, B, and C, who would you want? Who would you get rid of? Let me know.
1: Well, if I'm trying to remember all the stats you put out, I think it's B. He took a dip in yards per carry, but I think he's got, you know, decent usage, and he had about, what was it, 17 touches per game?
0: 17 touches per game. Yeah, so
1: I would take take B, a little bit dip in production for the volume.
2: Austin, I, I'm a visual person. I, you yeah, lost me on We stats.
1: Definitely need the graphics.
2: I need the yeah. graphics. Oh, well, I need the color coding on that. We can one. throw a, something up person. on there. Those, too many numbers.
0: I have a. I have a hard time saying my own phone number. All right. So. Well, I will tell you that player. They all have very similar stats, so I threw them all out there. Player A is none other than Miles Gaskin. Player B is Jonathan Taylor. Player C is Tyson Williams. So you asked me, should we trade, from, or trade him away? You don't, because his metrics are there. He hasn't had the best game script, and it should get better and more improved uh, going later in the season as their schedule eases up. But uh, yeah, definitely play him this week as a, a low-end RB2 flex play.
1: Hadn't seen the signs of life really out of Gaskin last week with Brissett in the lineup, but I'm wondering what we have in the passing game with Brissett at the helm, Austin. Is he is he keeping this offense afloat? Do we like what we see for the next couple games without Tua?
2: I mean, you you tell me after you hear these stats. Brissett needed 49 pass attempts to get 215 yards last week. And the week before that, week two, he needed 40 pass attempts to collect 169 yards. During those two games, he has zero touchdowns and one interception thrown. Look, Brissett's a game manager type. This is how we've labeled him. But he throws really, really short and only completes 59% of his passes. I think Brissett's going to try to keep drives going with his legs. Like, he had a decent performance with that last week. Seven rushes for 37 yards and a touchdown. But I'm really not feeling great if I'm a Miami fan or if I'm relying on any Miami players, Travis, for my fantasy team.
1: Yeah, specifically, I'm going to look at Jalen Waddle right here. I, you know, 12 targets in, you know, and honestly, Austin, when you pronounce a guy's name, I listen. And you've called him Brissett three times. Shit, I thought dude, it was I, Brissett. I don't know right. what it is. So I'm just trying to figure out if it is that or not. So we'll, we'll I'm going to look, look it up back. right we'll now. Research it, it. Yeah, yeah for sure yep. while you do that Austin I want to talk about Jalen Waddle 12 targets in Jacoby's first full game 4.83 yards per reception with Jacoby this offense is con- you know condensed with Brissett at the helm additionally Waddle will likely run around 41 snaps against Moore who is a tough slot cornerback for Indy so I'm actually fading Waddle in this matchup and I talked with Johnny a little bit on YouTube on Thursday that I like Will Fuller the most of the wide receivers but he's dealing with an indi- indisclosed injury only six targets Targets. And once again, this offense brought really down only 20 yards. We look at Devontae Parker, split time with Xavier Rhodes and Rocky Sin, and Rocky Sin has been torched. We talk about Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett just absolutely dominating Rocky Sin, even the third-string wide receiver, uh, you know, uh, Nick, what's his name, Westbrook, uh, for the Tennessee Titans last week got in for a touchdown. Indy gives up nearly 32 points per game to opposing wide receivers because of Rocky Sin, and I think I'm fading Waddle because of all the slot snaps that he's going to have against Moore, and I'd love to put Fuller in my Lineup. If he doesn't go, I still like Parker in this game too because of that matchup at cornerback and what Indy's been doing against wide receiver. Just want to make a quick note on Mike Kosicki because he saw 12 targets, which tied Waddle for the team high in week three. He caught 10 for 86. You love to see this usage, especially for a guy who's not naturally really a tight end. He's more of a wide receiver, but he's going to see a lot of Darius Leonard, who is the star linebacker for Indy, and he's only allowing five fantasy points him and Indy uh, on average to tight end. So I'd actually be fading Gasicki in this matchup as well. It seems to be the outside wide receiver or the deep threat in this offense going against Indy is the way to attack them. Any, uh, any look, any looks there on, on the Brissett, Brissett pronunciation.
2: I awesome. saw both of them from two good oh, sources. Okay. All right. Brissett, okay. Brissett was the one I saw most often, but I saw Brissett also. So you need to we'll just get him on the show and ask him personally. Right, I, know, exactly. I love to hear him say it themselves. But yeah, jury, Brissett, Brissett is what the I jury
1: stopped. is still out. We'll ah. figure it out and we'll let you know next week. Whisper Nation as we you move on, me on. That one, Robbie. I just wanted to figure out myself because I know we have Taylor, you know, Heineke, who we have now, you know, we're going against the grain with the industry and pronouncing his name. Correct. Especially by that little Google Translate. Uh, have you have you ever searched Taylor Heineke on Google and it pronounces it for you? The little robot. I love that. <laughs> All right. Moving on to the Atlanta Falcons hosting the Washington football team. This is supposed to be a close game, nearly a forty nine point over under at forty eight. We have a one and a half point road favorites in Washington. And Austin, when I look at this game, I want to start with Logan Thomas because it does look like Logan Thomas and Scary Terry are kind of leading this passing attack with Terry yeah. with uh, with. Uh, our guy Heineke and the lineup. So, do we, is the outlook bright here for Logan Thomas in this particular game?
2: Yeah, I think it really is, Travis. Logan Thomas is third on the team for target share overall with 15%. It's not bad, um, but that is, but he's dead tied with Terry McLaurin in the red zone where his target share goes from 15 to 27%, like that jump. He also leads the team with two touchdowns. Both of those came in the red zone and the dude literally has not left the field he has a hundred percent snap share in every single game thus far the falcons give up the sixth most amount of points to tight ends travi so i like this matchup for logan thomas i like his role in the offense moving forward now that could dip a little bit in weeks ahead as curtis samuel comes back we'll see how those targets get distributed but i'm not concerned this week i'm not concerned next week and i really like logan thomas really the rest of the season travis
1: yeah, I think that's a good uh, a good observation there because it's pretty much Terry McLaurin and the pass catchers and then Logan Thomas. If you look at Terry McLaurin, Scary Terry dominating uh, the team market share 27%. No other wide receiver has over 18%. Uh, ninth highest graded wide receiver per pro football focus. Only wide receiver on Washington football team to score a touchdown this year. It is undoubtedly his team. I have confidence in no other Washington football receiver at this time. We talked about Curtis Samuel. He's an interesting sneaky ad. Uh, he returned to practice this week. We want to see what his usage is like. But look, Taylor Heineke came out. I tagged you on this on Twitter, Austin. I don't know if you saw it. But Heineke was wearing a shirt that had Scary Terry on it with a Jason mask over his face. Basically oh, repping really? his guy. Yeah, just all over his guy. I love that stuff. When he's I'll- coming into practice wearing the dude's swag, I mean, basically saying, like, I'm your B. This is your team. You know, I'll I'll bend over for you, Terry. You're you're the
0: guy. Take me. Did you, did you hear that? Uh, scary Terry doesn't want to be. He wants to be referred to as like F1 or uh, what was the other one I heard. But he doesn't McLaren like scary McLaren.
1: Well, I think he yeah, might like he it doesn't. Since QBs wearing
0: his scary Terry swag. I right know. I like it. Dope.
1: I think that's
2: fantastic. That reminds, that's did you hear fantastic. like when James Harden in the NBA hated his beard there for a little bit, but he's like. I, I, I can't, can't shave it. anymore. It? Oh, my God. No, what, a, he's like, uh, what it comes I, with now is worth it too much. But, identity, yeah. the but now, yeah. I hate any
1: crisis that people have. I hate this part yeah. of me, but it is, it's is—it's so much me. Bob oh Ross
2: God. hated his afro.
1: Yeah. He permed wow. it. He hated it. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure it was too much work. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Johnny, as we round out the Washington football team, we've got to talk about Gibson. Is he ready to rock in this matchup? Atlanta, a very good matchup here. And Gibson owners are just thirsty, really thirsty for some great production out of Gibson.
0: Yeah, uh Atlanta right now is in the bottom half and points allowed to the running back position, so not as great as it does look on paper. Um you know, Atlanta's defense not most fantastic defense or, or looking at least Um, we do want to mention that Atlanta has given up two rushing touchdowns so far this season. So I do think that Gibson has a shot to get in the end zone in this game. You're looking at Gibson versus JD and JD McKissick. I know there's a little bit of concern there. Some people might be trying to fade off, but Gibson 73% opportunity share 10th in rushing yards right now, 12th in receiving yards uh, for running backs. He's had only three red zone touches so far and one touchdown. We did talk about the touchdown regression coming into the season and how that could potentially be a concern, but I do think he gets somewhat right in this game. I do think that uh, better days are ahead. And just McKissick, uh, you're talking about like when do we know when to play him and when not to, uh, this is one of those games. It doesn't really seem like it would be a McKissick game. Only 23% of the opportunity shares and uh, it it doesn't seem like they'll really, really need to put him in the game uh, in order to win this game.
1: Austin, after week one, there was this growing whisper among the backfield in Atlanta that – Corderell Patterson was being more involved. And then in week two, this whisper became a little bit louder. And then in week three, we have somebody just aptly naming him uh, the fantasy glitch in Corderell Patterson. But I, yeah. wanted to, I wanted to assign you the task of looking at this backfield, Austin, and, and giving us a breakdown because now Patterson is a guy that's averaging a lot of points per touch, a lot of points per snap in fantasy football. But you know, still, Mike Davis exists in this offense, and it's offense we're not really keen to like invest in right now.
2: Yeah, right. It's a crazy looking stat. It's a crazy way it's been broken down. And this Atlanta halfback situation has unfolded to start the year, man. We had Mike Davis, who was that like mid round selection. That was who's the competition behind him. And then it became quickly that uh, Coriel Patterson was the competition behind him. And it's more of a dual effort that they're running over there because they kind of are handling different sides of the offense. But I wanted to take a second here and look at the whole thing from a top level. Mike Davis, who were really starting to fade and we're starting to get excited. Excited about Patterson here for valid reasons. Uh, Mike Davis leads the two in carries, red zone rush attempts, targets, receptions, target percentage, snap percentage, and rushing yards. And Mike dominates Cordero's in pro football focuses rushing grade as the 12th overall running back compared to Patterson's 49th position. Yet Mike Davis is the 23rd ranked halfback in PPR and Cordell Patterson is the number nine. A lot of discrepancy. Here's the thing. That sounds like a lot between number nine and number 23, but it's only 14 points right now through three weeks. Patterson has both touchdowns despite receiving less opportunity. Cordero Patterson also has 85 more receiving yards through the first three weeks. Mike Davis has not ran or received poorly though. Uh, So I think these two will even out a little bit as the season progresses. I don't love this matchup though, going up against the Washington football team who has led up the eighth fewest points to opposing running backs. With that said, I think it will be close and I'm more than okay with flexing either of these running backs this week, Travis.
1: I love it. I love it, Johnny. What we haven't loved so much is Calvin Ridley who you, you know, basically called this you called your shot in the offseason and said that Calvin Ridley was somebody that was going to disappoint. He has been underwhelming thus far. How do we view this game because Washington has actually been kind of torched through the secondary this year.
0: Yeah, they're giving up. They went from one of the better and or the best uh, defense to allowing the fourth most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers this season. How that happens, I don't know. They're asking themselves the same question. You know why? Because I looked it up uh, and I wanted to know (laughs) myself. Uh, But they are allowing the most receiving yards to opposing wide receivers. So this should be a game in which Calvin Ridley should be playable and he should be a decent start. Here's the, the you know, you peel back the curtain, look what's behind it. Sometimes it's not so pretty. And I think I've found the glaring issue uh, that really kind of hits the nail on the head for Calvin Ridley. Snap share. Great. It's 91.7%. That's great. Averaging 9.7 targets per game. We did talk about that coming down and how Arthur Smith's offense generally does that. Problem with that is if you're only seeing 10 targets per game, his catch rate is 69%. Nice. But that allows for only about seven targets per game to be catchable, 6 to 7. He's had seven red area targets which is very very nice, but here's the big issue guys and I found it. He's only has a 6.0 yards per uh yards per uh catch and a 8.8 yards per reception. Uh or, or sorry, it was a, a 6.0 yards per uh target and then 8.8 yard per reception that is extremely low so you you paired that with the fact that you're not getting this massive volume and that is why really continues to struggle and this offense continues to struggle they're not allowing him to really open up the field and go downfield like he was in past years and so that is the big issue because Calvin was up in the you know 11 12 range for yards per uh target last year and it's coming way down and as a result uh he's being heavily you know deflated his fantasy value uh and but this once again should be a great uh matchup what's wild is like Cord we just talked about Cordero Patterson Cordero Pat has like 11 yard per target reception rate right now like his is massively uh better than like he almost averages um the yards per carry that Calvin Ridley gets in a in a target that's how wild it is for Ridley right now
1: Offense is a little bit deflated, as Johnny was getting at, and that has caused some you know, concern for Kyle Pitts. I'm, I'm kind of wondering if Kyle Pitts is going to be the fantasy bust this year that we thought was maybe possible. Tight end 15 in PPR, 18 in standard. We were drafting him at the tight end four, guys. It's a massive discrepancy through three games. No game over 75 receiving yards. No touchdowns on the year. PFF grades him as the 26th best tight end and not even the highest one graded on his team. Our exact fears of inconsistency as a rookie are coming to fruition. The Washington football team is in the middle of the road uh, against fantasy tight ends. They're giving up seven points to the position. So hopefully what you need is a pop game, and then I would try to get out of pits to somebody in the league that is fascinated with his talent, fascinated uh, with his physical specimen. That is what I would be looking to do if I were
0: a Pitts owner. At this I season. would go out and buy him. I would Adam, seriously there's... because and I'll tell you why he's on the field uh as he has the third highest snap rate right now for tight ends this
1: offense, John? and
0: it it will get better right we got to remember they're really? just start yeah really? it will yes and also why he has seen he has seen four red zone targets that. he has seen four red he saw four red zone targets last week that was the highest uh of any player um, so there are going to be, he's had a difficult schedule to start off again. We do know that rookies do tend to start slow. And then I think it will start to pick it like ever. All the metrics are there saying and pointing that Kyle Pitts is going to uh, break out sooner rather than later. It just win. And I think it does. I'm doubling down, baby. I called it last weekend. He, he failed to get in the end zone, even though he's targeted twice there. I'm doubling down. He gets in the end zone in this game. He's going to break out.
1: Yeah, good. I hope he does. And then you you sell him for like you you paid so much draft capital to get that guy, get him to pop and get out it's of it crazy. because he's going to be inconsistent yeah. like every other rookie tight end has ever been for the most part. So I I, I would just get out of that that situation if I, I think you. you're I just don't.
0: talking about every tight end, but yeah, other than Kittle sure. or Kelsey. Now Mo- fade on it.
2: I was going to ask <laughs> who you thought because we we saw Kyle Pitts right here at the number 15 or excuse me in pro football focus is 26th best tight end it makes me think of allen robinson right now who's the 89th ranked wide receiver and i just wanted to know who you thought had a better chance of having low- i mean i think i know the answer yeah. on this one Alan robinson's going to be coming yeah. up but yeah. just just but does is, is kyle Pitts have an ability like we talk about good receivers after like 4 weeks or 5 weeks Becoming better, is there any chance of Kyle Pitts developing after his first month in the NFL season of a better player? Have we seen it? Sure, any- there's a chance. I, I would yeah. not put, I would not
1: bet on it. History is stacked against Kyle Pitts, and the whole argument was, well, it doesn't matter because of the market share he's going to have, and he's such a, a unicorn. And guess what? Through three weeks, we haven't seen him be a unicorn at all. Like we said, twenty sixth ranked tight end, like not really. I mean, he's getting the targets any- and. Sure. But he's not showing that he's really that good and he's yeah. showing that he has to learn the position. And once again, we've talked yeah. about the tight end position is hard to learn. That's the yeah. bottom line. All right. Moving on to the next game here. We've got the San Francisco 49ers hosting the Seattle Seahawks in a divisional battle. Mm-hmm. The Vegas believes will be a high scoring affair. It's a 52 point over under San Francisco favored by three on the row or on at home. Sorry. Johnny, when we look at this wide receiving core, we talked a little bit about Lockett being a sell high. We talked a little bit about DK rest of season. We saw DK get back to form as kind of the target leader in the offense over the last couple of weeks and Lockett's inconsistency kind of rearing its head, break down these wide receivers. And particularly in this matchup
0: against San Fran this week. Oh my goodness. This is going to be, this is, uh, I'm telling you right now, whisper nation, if you listen to this right now, Just put us on, I mean, you can actually do two things on a phone right now uh, because of how smart technology is. Continue to play this podcast, but go into your league settings and you go to uh, whoever has DK Metcalf and offer them a trade and try to get DK before this weekend, before he goes off. Because just like I said last weekend about Devontae Adams, get him in your lineup. He's going to roast the 49ers. Sure enough. What did he do? Mega day mega boss day that's the same thing that's going to happen with dk i understand he's had a couple of down games but he gets this same defense and we all saw what Devonte adams did to this defense now i understand where everyone's saying they're they're like johnny lockett's been the guy lockett's been the one that's been blowing up he's the one that i should get in my lineup right i'm saying i looked at the i this was baffling i was starting to come along starting to look at Tyler Lockett and be like, man, I was really wrong on Tyler Lockett. How did I miss this one? And you know what? It's it's fake. It's phony. It's all a lie. It's all a lie. You need to go out and you need to try to trade Tyler Lockett away right now. Check this out. 25% target rate. That's healthy. That's great. That seems fantastic. Third and fantasy points per game. Terrific. Even better. Three receiving touchdowns. Oh, this is, This is like looking and unveiling like more and more gold fifth and yards per target with 15.5 that's right there where it starts to decline because you start to realize this is not sustainable he's 36th in targets he's averaging 6.7 targets per game he has a whopping 80% catch rate and only a 16.7 contested catch rate which means that all of his like deep bombs are being barely like he's just breaking away he's getting they're wide open so he, he's not having to really you know uh, as far as like work for the contested catches so I don't think that continues I think teams will start to uh, draw the safeties back a little bit more and as a result you'll start to see Tyler Lockett be a little bit more inconsistent like he's shown and I think that this is one of those games we've seen San Francisco 49ers defense they do very well against that second wide receiver. They Allow a lot of fantasy points to that number one wide receiver. So uh, DK in your lineup, I'd try to trade Lockett right now before he has a dud game.
1: Inconsistencies with Lockett, but ultra consistency out of Chris Carson and the running back position here, Austin, because he just seems to be the only motor for them. And they seem set on pounding the rock with Chris Carson.
2: Yeah, he's the only running running back over there in Seattle right now. 12 rush attempts in week three doesn't sound like a great load, but compared to second best two total carries by Alex Collins, you're feeling secure in holding the only real running back there in Seattle. He's a back end one and barring health that should continue the rest of the season. And don't look now, but the San Francisco 49ers, who the Seattle Seahawks are going to play this week, have given up the eighth most amount of points to running backs I feel really nice about rolling him out in week four in a game that Vegas expects Seattle to win, meaning game flow should continue to work there in Chris Carson's favor. But that's the only thing that's kept him off the field up till this point. Yeah,
1: San Francisco actually looking one. a little bit more overrated coming in yeah. this year at yeah. defense. They're kind of uh, they've they've shown some holes over the last couple of weeks. One of those will be against the quarterback position. I think Russell Wilson, you know, you look at this, only five teams give up more points per games to the QB than San Francisco. That includes the fourth most rushing yards per game to a co- opposing running backs or opposing quarterbacks, which is going to be a nice, uh, hopefully, spike week for Russell Wilson. He averages 25 points per game over his last four versus San Fran. So looking like after that 18 point uh, game he could maybe have a bounce back spot here we look at the backfield at san francisco austin we know this is a great matchup based on what Derek henry dalvin or i'm sorry alexander madison was able to do over the last couple weeks against minnesota or against seattle but uh just like me running through these names there's a lot of names in that backfield that we've got to talk about which one can we trust if any suiting up
2: uh for san francisco against seattle This week, I'm personally not trusting any of the halfbacks over there in San Francisco. It's tough to trust them when the entire catalog of running backs is operational. Right now, they're coming back from injuries. Here's what we saw last week. Trey Sermon got all of the rushing work, but didn't really blow anyone away with his 10 carries for 31 yards. Um, The fullback, Kyle Jaszczyk, had a greater target share. And if Mitchell's out, Sermon is the dude. We know that. But Mitchell is getting work in at practice this week. But I almost kind of hate how this is shaping up, Travis. It's I'm not surprised if they end up bringing a 75% Elijah Mitchell back onto the field, bringing him in uh, where he really can't carry the load in a way that he typically would. I think you're going to see the fullback staying involved. I think you're going to see Trey Sermon staying involved. I would try to have a wait and see approach on this one. If you can bench one of your San Francisco running backs, put in another, maybe a flex option that you don't, love as much if everything was normal but wait and see right now on the san francisco backfield we'll see how mitchell's doing we'll see how sermon is being viewed in kyle shanahan's eyes and i think you'll get a lot of clarity well i'm I'm trying to be optimistic here honestly i think you're going to probably need two weeks of of witnessing the san francisco backfield to know what's what because elijah mitchell even if he does come back he's not going to be 100 trey sermon's going to keep getting work because he was drafted as a running back by the San Francisco 49ers, but he didn't look good. I think you need two more weeks to see what's really going on, both with health, both with game plan, and both with overall production from these rookie running backs.
1: You don't think there's any kind of, you know, and this may be a little bit biased because I do have shares of Mitchell here, but you don't think there's any world because of how good that matchup is because we've seen just teams gash Seattle where if Mitchell and Sermon come back or even if Mitchell sits that Sermon is the right start here because of the matchup.
2: It could end up being that way. A hundred percent. Like I'm not surprised at this one at all. There's just a handful of halfbacks. I don't know. We said San Francisco is not very good. You know what I mean? This could tilt. I don't understand San Francisco right now enough to be able to confidently say which halfback I think we should be wheeling out. This team could go ahead and get pass heavy, you know, in a weird way. Kittle is looking better. Ayuk is looking better. Debo Samuel is off to his best start right now. Trey Lance is getting more action. They have, they have a, they're, they're playing multiple quarterbacks right now yeah. they're playing multiple halfbacks Ayuk is in this weird relationship conversation with his head coach like i just don't have enough my roots aren't deep enough in this team yet we haven't seen enough of a consistent sample size for me to really give you a take with weight i could i could say here's who my flyer is here's my lotto ticket is on this one but i would i would really try to just wait and see on this one now if i didn't have that luxury and mitchell's in i'm starting mitchell Um, If Mitchell's out, I'm enjoying starting Sermon, but I would still like to wait and see, especially if we have both of those halfbacks active for Sunday.
1: I think that's the right call, and based on where you probably took these guys off the waiver or late in your draft, you're able to do that because you'll probably have some flexibility if you went RB robust. Johnny, speaking of that relationship weird situation with Ayuk, he's starting to warm up. And so how do we feel about Ayuk in this matchup? Should be a high-scoring game.
0: Can we trust starting Brandon Ayuk? Yeah, he continues to get more and more snaps coming off either, you know, the rumors of what's going on or, you know, there was also he was dealing with a hamstring injury. So it could also be uh, that as a factor. Didn't see a whole lot of targets for Iukes, only six. But what you did like was three of those were red zone targets. They're looking for him in the red area. You do like that. But he only had 44 air yards. Seattle giving up 171 receiving yards a game. So I do think Ayuk is, uh, you know, a flex wide receiver three this week. Seattle giving up the 11th most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers, and they have allowed four passing touchdowns on the season. So I do think that Ayuk can be played this week. Debo Samuel is a concern for me because – and shout to Travis – talked about how Debo was a uh, trade a trade high uh, or sell high right now uh player you saw 10 targets in the last game played 90.8% of snaps but once again when Ayuk is in this lineup it shows how much Debo struggles even though he gets the targets it's like much closer to the line of scrimmage there are like a lot of screens so you're kind of hoping he breaks it and then takes it to the house, which is something that I don't like to uh, rely on in my lineup. So uh, I would uh, not necessarily play Debo this week if I could uh, help it, but I think they're both wide receiver three and there is some upside if one goes down or if uh, I do ultimately think it's Brandon Ayuk that ends up scoring more in this game.
1: We got uh, George Kittle to talk about quickly here. First double-digit game of 2021 and PPR scoring last week saw more than five targets for the first time all year. Will face a bottom ten fantasy tight end matchup in two of his next three. I think this is the time to build the case for Kittle. Oh, and probably ultimately move off of Kittle if you can, if you can get RB, you know, top RB or top wide receiver uh, return back for him, uh, because he's just falling into that category that we talked about of inconsistent tight end right now. And I think I would consider that another sneaky uh, thing to consider here. So the San Francisco 49ers have two tough matchups over the next couple weeks in the division. Then they take their bye. Should they go 0 and 2 over the next two matchups, they'd be 2 and 3. Uh, you'd be sitting at a situation where maybe they look at Trey Lance over the bye, So maybe keep Trey Lance on your radar. Just keep monitoring that situation in San Francisco because we know with Trey Lance's rushing upside, how he could be a cheat code for fantasy should they turn it over to Trey
0: Lance. Good. More right. excuses for Kyle Shanahan when he doesn't win and he's like, oh, it was my rookie quarterback. And no, dude, you're not a good coach. It is what it is. Sorry.
1: I mean, there are some things that show that Shanahan's pretty – Pretty good play action uh, motion pre-snap. There's some things that he does that are pretty still offensive
0: coordinator. He's great. Not a head coach. Yeah.
1: All right. So the Los Angeles Rams are hosting your guys's Arizona Cardinals here in our next matchup in the highest over under on the week. Fifty four and a half. The Rams are favored by four and a half and new SoFi Stadium. The Arizona side of the ball. Awesome. We got to start and end pretty much with uh, Kyler Murray. This is going to be his first real kind of defensive test of the year based on the quality of the defense he's going to play, but he's looking red hot right now.
2: Yeah, Kyler's looking really red hot. And for me to provide an analysis on this matchup, I went ahead and just did a little deeper dive there on the Los Angeles Rams defensive unit and saw if their strengths were going to pair up well with Kyler Murray's weaknesses. Spoiler alert, I think Kyler Murray is going to be just fine this week, Travis. And here's why. The Rams have let up the eighth most amount of passing yards this season they've only let up two passing touchdowns though so that's a little bit of where that defensive prowess reputation at least is coming from as they are statted as the 11th best passing defense despite letting up the eighth most amount of yards so kyler murray shouldn't have a problem throwing to a gaggle of his receivers the rams now are tied for seventh and sacks they get after the quarterback pretty well But Kyler's been pretty fine under pressure, Travis. He's statting as the 11th best QB under pressure. And this is ahead of Matt Stafford, Dak Prescott, and Derek Carr. They also do a good job of limiting rush yards. The Rams do, that is. They're a top 10 in that category. But seventh in rushing touchdowns allowed. Um, so I think that you got another chance there to see Kyler Murray get into the end zone from that side. You know, and this is a tall line at 54 and a half points and given Kyler's unique ability to pass the ball, to run the ball, I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to find weaknesses in this defense when they load up either on the pass coverage, and then he'll have an ability to run or they'll go ahead and put in a blitz and then he'll go ahead and drop it off to one of his playmakers. Um, this could be a lower output day, but I'd really keep him in my lineup with total confidence and I don't even know if it really will be a lower output day. I feel fine about Kyler in this matchup. I think he could even have approved. prove it. It's a huge game. It's going to be a game of the week. And I think Kylo's going to want to show up and show out and show people what he can do.
1: You know, oftentimes we are afraid of the Rams in a lot of these last couple years in the matchups, but we found when they face pretty top-tier offenses, they're still going to give up points to those offenses. And they're situationally really good, but Kyler Murray is a guy who's taken a step. You can see it as a passer, and I'm just really excited to see what this offense does against this litmus test against L.A. L.A. riding high after the Tampa Bay victory. Could be an opportunity for Arizona to catch L.A. here on the road. We look at the backfield situation for the Cardinals um it's it's been a little bit up and down for both of them but they've had their spots we look at chase edmonds legit ppr rb2 he averages five catches and 40 receiving yards per game he's also efficient on the ground over four yards per carries got double digit carries in two of three games then we look at james Conner. he's going to vulture touchdowns he's going to see about nine to twelve touches per game he's going to be touchdown dependent though especially Um, You know, in PPR scoring, he's not really that great, but he is a standard scoring desperation flex for me. This would not be the matchup I'm going to be rolling out Connor here in. But, you know, you look at the Rams, they've been stout against enemy running backs, only giving up 15.5 points per game. Could see some RB3 comfortability with Chase, though, in this one. We saw Gio Bernard just last week, 10 targets, 51 yards and a touchdown to That running back and the pass catching is there for Edmonds. So I think that Edmonds is on the flex radar, but I would be fading Connor hard here. Johnny, when we look at the wide receivers for the Cardinals, there's so many of them and maybe so little time on the field. How do we figure out what's going on with the wide receivers and which ones we can comfortably roll out each and every week? so
0: deandre hopkins you're gonna just you're just he's a start he's an auto start no matter what the matchup is ramsey he's owned in the past he knows his number uh it's on speed dial not number one but it's top five you know uh and so you're gonna have him in there temper your expectations just a little bit though because it is ramsey right rams allowing the fourth fewest fancy points to opposing wide receivers this season only allowing one receiving touchdown so far this season. And like my co-host said, uh, the Rams are allowing the ninth most receiving yards to wide receivers. So you can kind of, it's like that whole bend, but don't break kind of thing. So what am I looking at exactly when I'm starting all, you know, looking at all these wide receivers or which ones do I go with? Well, AJ Green, I think you rule him out in this game. He's only seen six targets a game. He does have the high, high upside for yardage because he does do the, uh, you know, the long routes, but uh, it generally it's that's too fluky for me i would say aj rondell Moore and christian kirk become a little bit more interesting to me specifically in this game christian kirk doing a really good job in the slot he's expected to get six to eight touch uh, touches in this game uh you can attack this defense with that slot position or the tight end cardinals don't have you know max williams is there with two x's we like to say uh uh he should see a slight tick in in reception in this game, but I would expect them to hold him in to block a little bit more, which is why I do believe Rondell Moore is one of those sneaky starts this week. Uh, I expect him to get six to eight touches if you need a what-the-heck flex. 11th in the league in red zone targets. They've targeted him every single game in the red zone, and they've had at least... Uh, one play ran for him around the goal line in each game. So I would not expect anything different in this game, especially as uh, you could you can expect Cliff Kingsbury to try to get a little creative around the goal line to score points because we know James Conner's not really good and getting it done. Uh, obviously, we have Kyler with the sneaking but you could expect them to get a little uh, creative with Rondale in this game around the goal line. So it we is a what that concerns
1: was. about Rondale, just because of the snap usage, obviously we talked about, uh, I will say Christian Kirk, number one in PFF, I believe wide receiver ranking this year. He's really showing up for them after a, a couple down years. I'm i I'm hesitant to put a bunch of love in Kirk cause he's broken my heart <laughs> of so many years, but uh, it's something to note there on the r- Ram side of the ball. We start with Matt Stafford, who's the number nine graded passer through three weeks for PFF. Two games over thirty points, no game under twenty this year. Could be a tough test for Stafford. They've only, you know, Arizona only allowing fifteen fantasy points per game to the quarterback. That includes games against Kirk Cousins and Ryan Tannehill. Vegas sees this as a highest scoring game though, and I'm rolling Stafford out there. And that's partly because of Cooper Cup, who has been so dominant for him. But Austin, I think the bigger question is Woods and this and the rest of the pass catchers in the offense, because we know. You know, Cup is that auto start, but we're kind of trying to figure out. Deshaun Jackson made the waiver column this week. We've got craziness
0: going on in those. You picked him up. You picked him up. No
2: way. He's like the definition of a what the heck flex. He always kind (laughs) of has been for me. And right now, I think Deshaun Jackson looks to have some real rapport with Matt Stafford. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about Cooper Cup as we talk about Robert Woods here because the. Main reason that Robert Woods is not doing so well is because of Cooper Cup. And I just don't think that's going to slow down this season. And really, why would it? The Rams are winning games. They're winning games in impressive fashion. Stafford is atop the MVP boards. And Robert Woods has become a clear number two on that team. Now, in 2019, Robert Woods did start even slower and finished as the wide receiver 14 that year. So you're saying, well, maybe there's some hope. But His snap percentage was never below 95% that entire season, and we're just seeing a more distributed wide receiver two role for the Rams in 2021. Robert Woods is averaging an 88% snap share right now, 95%. He never dipped below that last season. Now, I do like his 20% market share, Travis, but that's 15 points lower than Cooper Cup's 35%. Woods' share does go up in the red zone a little bit to 23%. But so does Cooper Cup's to forty-one percent last season. Robert Woods led the squad in red zone targets share and overall target share, and he is so far behind Cooper Cup now that that is the direct cause. We are literally seeing Robert Woods pour from his cup into Cooper Cup's cup. And Cooper Cup is drinking that down and scoring points. And the Rams are winning games. So I just do not see a reason why this formula would slow down for them. And we've also then, as you mentioned, got Deshaun Jackson. And we got Van Jefferson, who there is number three on the team in snap percentage. The offense is working. Why would you tweak it?
1: I think it's a fair point, And I love the Cooper cup cup. Yeah. We're going to have to make that a, that a thing cup. here. But uh, Johnny, when we talk about the formula for the wide receivers, I want to know the formula for the running backs, because we saw in a tough matchup, Sonny Michelle get a lot of carries. We saw Austin's boy, Jake Funk, get the ceremonial first carry. Uh, but other than that, I mean, Henderson trying to get back into the mix. What can we project here against Arizona's defense?
0: Yeah. Henderson might be back in time for this game, continue to monitor the situation uh, up until Sunday, but even if he does give it a go, I don't expect him to get much playing time because again, he's coming back uh, from rib cartilage. Uh, that very painful uh, injury right there. And then you, like you said, you saw what Sony did 35.9% snap share, which is not fantastic. It's not uh, the amount that you would certainly like to see. However, Twenty nine point three percent opportunity share. So that means when he was in the game, they were heavily using him. They were heavily utilizing him. He had twenty two total touches against a stout Tampa Bay front seven uh, and still averaged three point seven yards. To me, it's only a matter of time before Sony fully takes over this uh, as the lead dog uh, in this backfield because he just—it's—it's it's only until he learns this playbook, uh, you know, fully that I think they'll transition over to him. But uh, Henderson, we'll see if he ends up giving it a go. If he does, tem- then I would slightly pull back Sony. But again, if I, I'm hoping. Uh, if I have Sony, that uh, Henderson sits once more because I do think he'll get around that twenty-two touches, twenty to twenty-two touches in this game. Do you guys well, agree uh, with me at all that that
2: we want that funk? Got to have no. that funk. <laughs> no, no. Okay, I
1: couldn't help myself. Austin is holding on to the funk dream. <laughs> funk. I know. Got to have funk. Yeah. Yeah. It does, It is something to note that you know he's just a couple injuries away from maybe some sort of uh, situation there. So keep him on your deeper league radars for now. I want to tell Whisper Nation about Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy football for big cash prizes. They have their player prop bets like over, under, on touchdowns, receiving yardage, rushing totals, and more. They also have picks and rivals. You can also draft your very own team for one week only. So if your 0-3 teams are really getting you down, go to Underdog Fantasy or download the app. They're going to give you $10 when you use the promo code TFW. That is underdogfantasy.com or download the app and use the promo code TFW for 10 bucks of free money. Once again, TFW for $10. All right, my Green Bay Packers, Austin's Green Bay Packers, hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers in our next game, 45-point over-under, and Green Bay favored by seven at home. Austin, this is really frustrating to talk about the Pittsburgh offense, but we've got to talk about Chase Claypool because injuries to Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, looks like Claypool may be manned this whole thing by himself, him and Najee Harris, but there are some real concerns with Big Ben. How are we looking at Chase Claypool with Big Ben against Jair Alexander? Is this
2: a spot we can even trust him based on just volume? I like him on volume. I'm concerned about Jair Alexander. That That is a concerning piece. Um, but outside of that, opportunity is king. And I think Chase Claypool is going to get some more of what he got in week three, Travi. He had 15 targets last week, nine catches, 96 yards. I like that juju just does not look to ever return to that early career form he has got his role and it's not a world beater for your fantasy squad unfortunately which makes me like chase a lot in this game simply from an opportunity standpoint alone he's really the only wide receiver of his stature and he's done fine thus far week four i think looks a little bit more of the same albeit for that defensive challenge but no other wide receiver had even half the targets that jamar that um Uh, Chase had in week three, James Washington had five Juju had four. I just think they're going to go down. I think that Pittsburgh's going to be forced to throw. I think Chase Claypool is just a tall guy that you're going to give a shot to, and he could just pull one down. It's one of those things where it's like, it could be great defense, but some better offense from a taller player just ends up pulling a play in. And I think there's enough opportunity where a play like that is something you can kind of bank on a little bit for this season. There's no one behind him and it should work game flow wise.
0: Yeah. When we look at play play in this game,
2: You guys think? I,
1: I don't think so. I don't, but maybe. I mean, if they're desperate to bring him back, I could see it. But I haven't. If he did, that would change it for
0: me. But yeah,
1: Yeah. I think. I mean, would you go with Deontay over Chase if if Deontay played, not this week?
0: No, okay. I think that's why, like, if, they, if Deontay you plays, then... You want Deontay to
1: play, so he'll take for, Jair, and yeah, then you can get that, Chase. Yeah, I yeah. think that is probably the right call there. Uh, when we look at Deontay out, um, we saw Najee Harris as the number one team in pass option um, because that's probably about as far as Ben Roethlisberger can throw. <laughs> uh, he leads all running backs and targets thanks to 19 in Week 3. I thought this was a typo. I had to look this up again and again. Uh, but yes, Najee Harris got 19 targets last week. He's leading all running backs with eight red zone targets, but he's number 36 in running backs with average depth of target at negative because he, they you know, once again, Ben has, he's uh, failed to crack them. fourth yeah. and
0: 10 and they dump off.
1: Yeah. Has failed to crack the top 50 in PFF rush grade and failed to crack, crack the top 30 in PFF receiving grade for running backs. He's barely, barely averaging three yards per carry. But again, as Austin kind of said, volume is king. It doesn't really matter because his volume has ballooned him to the RB15 and standard and the RB6 and PPR. He's going to face a Green Bay team that has allowed the seventh most catches to the running back position per game. And we know Green Bay has played better against the run this year, but I don't trust Pittsburgh to not do anything but line it up and run it down their throat this week. And I don't think it's going to equate to a ton of points, but it will be enough that you have to keep Najee in your lineup. Again, I was trying to tell you a couple of weeks ago that, you know, look for Najee to have a portfolio you can build and then try and get out of because that's the, that's the problem. You're just not going to get the first-round value from them. So if you can try and trade them on volume alone, I think that's not a bad deal to do. On the Green Bay side of the football, um, I wanted to take a look at Rogers' regression because we talked about this team being very efficient last year and maybe too efficient. Um, and then this year, Rogers kind of taking a bit of a step back just based on what this team needs out of him. He's the QB 26 on the year. He's got finishes of QB 31, QB 5, and QB 15 over the last three weeks. No 30-point game this year so far. Only six touchdowns in three games. He's yet to throw. 275 yards in a single game and green bay is bottom 10 in pass attempts so hopefully you're running some sort of dual qb system like you got Rodgers later and you got another guy as well with some upside uh, because it would be helpful to play matchups with aaron Rodgers. i think going forward speaking of pittsburgh has been up and down against passers this year 19.7 fantasy points given up to the quarterback jones's injury which i will talk about with austin here in a little bit uh, would give me some hope that the Packers would need to lean on Rodgers a little bit more in the passing attacks. But the desert has Green Bay as heavy home favorites. And I'm just going to kick this to you guys because I'm a little bit, you know, um, a little bit hesitant on this. So I'll start with Johnny. Johnny, would you play Rodgers or Jalen Hurts this week?
0: I would play
1: – I think I would go Hurts. Also, would you play Rodgers or Kirk Cousins this week?
2: Oh, I would play Rodgers over Kirk Cousins – and I would, I don't even care if it's the wrong choice. I just wouldn't do that as a Packers fan. <laughs> right. That's That's okay. Not fair enough. Fair,
1: enough, fair enough. Okay. So let me, let me try to pitch one more then. Derek Carr or Aaron Rodgers. We're going to talk about Carr a little bit later in that Chargers matchup. They've been really tough.
2: You know, I, I think I would against the Chargers. It's a close one there for me. I'm not really concerned, though, by the Now, and I, I have drafted Aaron Rodgers. I have him in multiple leagues. I'm a huge fan, all this stuff there. So I could definitely carry some bias with this. Um, but Aaron Rodgers is one of those few people who can turn it on in a, yeah, in a crazy moment. He's a special player. We talked about Carson Palmer talking to Dan Patrick, saying he doesn't have any young quarterbacks ever watch Aaron Rodgers because he just does things other people cannot. We saw him respond from a 31 overall performance to the top five
0: performance you know what i mean so like yeah. he, according to rogers dude he's back he said he's back that's what, he you like catch that did you catch that when he uh after he threw that completion to get him in field goal range he ran to the sideline and he's like i'm back i'm back i'm like well back from what jeopardy like uh what do I mean, we yeah kind of mm-hmm. right and like he
2: has a deeper connection right now to this green bay packers team i think emotionally than he has up until now this he's getting moment. all romantic yeah I mean, like, yeah, but, but really, and, and Aaron Rodgers is such an emotional person. And if your mind and your heart aren't right, good luck having productive football. Like, this mm. is getting a little drugstore psychologist on this one, yeah. but we know how emotional Aaron Rodgers really is. We know how he can turn it on at any point. And we did have a lot of indicators after that epic San Francisco win that there's at least something different growing rolling through his veins. And I, Aaron Rodgers is a dude in a way Derek Carr is not. And, like, we can yeah. look at numbers, but at the end of these, we're not looking at numbers. We're looking at people. And I think, I think that Aaron Rodgers has a good shot at at being just fine.
1: Yeah, I just don't – I wonder if this team is really as cutthroat as it was kind of being last year when they went and they were throwing a neutral game script. They, they've they taken a step back, it looks like, so far this year. I think of the guys I mentioned, I would go Hurts, then Rodgers, then Cousins, then Carr. I think that's the right ranking of yeah. it. I think just because of the rushing upside of, of Hurts. And again, this game could get game scripted out. But again, like I had talked about, Austin, we were talking about Aaron Jones, and he's a little bit yeah. dinged up here. So does yeah. that mean maybe they don't lean on the run as much against Pittsburgh? They go with Rodgers. How, how are we looking at the backfield right now for, for Green Bay?
2: You know, I like that take, Trav. I hadn't really thought of that too much, of Aaron Rodgers getting a lot more dink and dunk action going. We know that he loves to do it. We saw it on that really nice um, out route from Devontae Adams on the goal line against uh, San Francisco Monday Night Football so this Aaron Jones news is kind of like a worst case situation for me right now. I have Aaron Jones in our league of record. I also have AJ Dillon, which I'll get to here in a second, because we know ankles, especially when it's not a keep you out of a multi-week situation or an injury you can play on. You're just not going to cut in the same way we're used to watching you cut it up. And Aaron Jones right now is a top three halfback. That's going to have a little impact on Aaron Rodgers' performance there overall as well. I mean, hopefully he just keeps throwing Aaron Jones touchdowns like he did in week two. But Jones <laughs> is in that tough spot where his ankle is it's injured, but we don't know how bad it is. And there's no reporting that we can take to the bank on this because you're not going to get game speed action in a practice environment. So we're not going to know how good or how prepared and ready to go Aaron Jones is until he takes the field on Sunday. So what I just hope is they play it cautious with him, and they bench him, and A.J. Dillon gets his first real shot of it. But I am hesitant to think that's what they're likely to do because Aaron Jones really holds unique skill sets that A.J. Dillon just simply does not. We've compared Aaron Jones to a Alvin Kamara type. I don't think that's unfair at all. The dude bounces, spins, rolls, breaks out in a very, very special way. A.J. Dillon does not. He's got his own unique skill set that he's developing. But I really hate this for Aaron Jones. I'm just going to keep monitoring it throughout the week, and I hope they end up benching him as a precautionary take and give A.J. Dillon the full start. But if they do start him, I don't know how you bench Aaron Jones. You took him in the first round, and he's a top three halfback. And if they're playing him, I'm probably playing him too, but I wish they would just bench him and let him get right.
1: On the other, uh, with the other weapons for Green Bay, we have Devontae Adams, who we know uh, just dominating as as usual, back to the top of the ranks and, as far as target targets and, and things of that nature. But uh, Johnny, I wanted to ask about MVS; scored a late touchdown in the game, and then Robert uh, Robert Tunyon, of course, who had a big game against Detroit, like but that. then fell down. Like, what what do we have going on here with the secondary pieces for Green Bay?
0: Definitely uh, getting Devontae Adams remains in your lineup. Snaps back to reality after last week. Uh, Good matchup on paper. Seventh most uh, yards surrendered to wide receivers. Uh, They've also uh, have surrendered five uh, receiving touchdowns this year. That is uh, Pittsburgh. So uh, don't be feared uh, if you have Devontae Adams. MVS. Not getting much more than four targets a game. So he is one of those, uh, you know, high, high upside, you know, stash wide receivers. Uh, he did score a touchdown last week, but I'm not trusting him in my lineup this week. And Bobby T, man, uh, I pity my fool because uh, I was I told you guys to start him. And and I'm I'm a, I apologize for that last week. Thought he was going to get in the end zone. Didn't uh, he's regressing quite a, quite a lot this year. Only eight point eight percent target rate. Uh, and 15.8% uh, target rate in the red area, which is about the same in the red area that he saw last year. But the target rate way down after he thought he was going to get an uptick in usage uh, you know, coming into this year. So I don't think I would start Bobby T, even though on paper it looks like a decent matchup. Uh, but they've only given up one uh, passing touchdown to tight ends so far this season. That is Pitt's defense that is uh so yeah staying away from bobby t this week i'm sorry i pity i pity all the fools who have them right now (laughs) (laughs) all
1: right i pity me including me having to listen to the dang bobby t (laughs) mr t
0: comp every week but here we are
1: we move, yeah. we move on to the Denver Broncos. I can't be all
0: excited about it when he's, like, <laughs> bumming. You know, like, I'm bummed Boy, about thank it. Oh my God, some, some of these
1: have to die, I think, eventually. <laughs> and maybe that one is. Yeah. Uh, Denver Broncos are hosting the Baltimore Ravens. This is a 44-point over-under. Looks to be a sloppy defensive game. Denver only favored by one point at home. We look at the Baltimore side of the ball um, in Austin. I think we got to start with the Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown. You know, they they keep trading off who's going to be the big guy or, or the big game. Um, and this week, we like Marquise Brown potentially, maybe Mark Andrews. Just tell me who we like
2: here. Which mark are we going with? I like them both, man. Mark them both, man. Put them on your squad. Now we take a look at Mark Andrews here. Volatile tight end always has been. And I believe we're seeing just more of the same here in 2021. Last week, in week three, Mark Andrews was his best performance, catching five targets on seven uh, opportunities for 109 yards. He can do this really each and every week. He's just not going to. He's going to do it here and there, and you're never going to take him out of his lineup because he can do it at any point in time. Um, But through week three, uh, through three weeks, excuse me, Mark Andrews does not have a red zone target, let alone a red zone touchdown. And this Uh is a big concerning as he dominated red zone market share last season, but, on the counter, you could also say that's a reason to believe he's going to pick it back up and we'll get some regression to the mean. It's just hard to see a talented tight end like Mark Andrews with his history in this offense with Lamar Jackson as his quarterback, who has loved him the most in the red zone, not picking it up a little bit, considering he doesn't even have a single friggin' target there in the red area. Marquise Brown shifting over. I'm loving him this season. You know, him and Mike Williams, the two perennial breakouts are both looking like it's happening for them this season. And Marquise Brown leads the team in target share at over 25%, leads the team in targets, receptions, and yards. Last week was Brown's lowest output of the 2021 season, bringing in just three of his seven targets. But look, he took those three targets for 50 or three catches, excuse me, for 57 yards. And we all saw those back to back, deep ass touchdown drops, which if he had caught one or the other would have completely changed uh, the narrative that we're talking about right now through the first three weeks, we would be asking is Marquise Brown, a legitimate wide receiver one option. If he had pulled in one of those targets and then we're talking about his volatility. I love the target share. I love the opportunity. He's going to drop some passes maybe, but nobody else can do what he can do. So there's not like, we're not going to put Sammy Watkins in the Marquise Brown role. We're not going to put Mark Andrews in the, marquise brown role it's not going to happen marquise brown is going to get to keep falling forward and progressing into what i think is going to be a nice solid tight end for the ravens and for your fantasy team let
0: me let me ask you because i uh, we have been on the mark uh or marquise brown bandwagon and we do think it is the same i do like the call this week do you with bateman coming back are you concerned are you trying to sell high on brown after he after this week or are you uh, holding tight and you think that that's going to it doesn't matter that Bateman's coming back? And i'll give you I'll give you the similar answer that I give on a lot of these
2: kinds of questions. I would try to sell him at a premium price because that's selling him at what he could be. And if he is, well, you already got fair value then for that exchange. If he's doesn't, if he and if he dips below, then you came out way ahead. But I have no problem just holding on to Marquise Brown. I'm going to enjoy that value all season long. Take the skies, take the dips, and just enjoy myself. A back end wide receiver one, high end wide receiver two with major upside. Yeah, if I can deal someone for a premium price, I would do that. I would do that for Derrick Henry. You know what I mean? I think, anyb- I, I think
0: anybody would yeah, for, for a sure. premium price. But I don't. I'm just saying, like, would you? Would you do? I don't think this is a mirage. I don't think it's a mirage. I no, think the bottom know, Marquise is stay Brown. With Marquise. Marquise Brown reminds
1: me of like a poor man's Will Fuller. This is a guy who can win yeah. every single week. He's going to dominate his team's target market share. And he is just going to be like, look at Lamar is actually progressing as a passer. Yeah. I know people don't want to look at it, but he has been. I mean, he hit him on the hands in all three of those. So let's continue to watch Marquise Brown do what he does. And like the Valleys are look like they may not be on Lamar anymore. They're going to be more on Marquise Brown. And that's something we can maybe look at, but Marquise Brown is a player that I, I would be definitely heavily invested in Lamar Jackson. This is a tough matchup for both Marquise and Lamar Jackson. But if we look at Lamar, you know, leading the league NFL in yards per completion and yards per rushing attempt, even in a game where he fumbled and threw a pick, we saw Marquise Brown drop those. He got 19 fantasy points against Detroit, Uh, No game under 55 rushing yards and five straight now, 19 or more fantasy points in six of his last eight. This is a tough test. Denver allowing the fewest points per game to QBs. They also have played QBs like Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and and Daniel Jones. Uh, You're starting Lamar no matter what, but I just wanted to say this is a tough spot. Part of that is because they don't really have an established running game right now, Johnny. And we thought we were going to get something out of Tyson Williams, but now it's everybody and their mom that's running for the Baltimore Ravens. How do you feel about the backfield going up against Denver?
0: I mean, is it really that different than what was projected or supposed to be uh, for the this Baltimore Ravens backfield to start the season? And the answer, like, when you look at it analytically, is no, it's not any different. This is what we should have been expecting from Gus and Dobbins because that's the reality of what Tyson and uh, Latavius Murray are doing. Latavius is taking the Gus bus role, and Tyson is taking the Dobbins role. He's getting that pass-catching work um, and he, and he's doing a good amount with a 5.6 true yards per carry number three in breakaway runs that was one of the things we liked about Dobbins was how how much he was a game breaker Um, I mean he, he's not as talented don't get me wrong he's only broken like two tackles so far and he has a 6.3 juke rate which is like 51st in the league not great but as far as like them trying to use these pieces as what they were going to uh, plug into their algorithm in the beginning. This is what we're going to get. So uh, am I playing either one of these guys this week? I am not because this defense, uh, Denver that is, is the second best defense against running backs so far this season. They have yet to allow either a a a passing, or a rushing touchdown uh, to running backs this season. So I am staying away uh, from either of these guys uh, in my lineup this week. On the flip side for the
1: Denver backfield, I actually think that there's a case to be made that you could start both of these backs, or at least you have been able to recently. Denver currently fourth in the NFL in rushing attempts and eighth in rushing yards per game. It's been well-documented the good teams they've played, but we look at Melvin Gordon, who, by the way, continue to monitor his status because he's limited with some ribs right now. Uh, But he's currently 12th in RB uh, grade per pro football focus, RB 9 in standard scoring, RB 13 in PPR. He's had 14 or more touches in three straight games. I I continue to love Austin's comp to these two, uh, saying that, you know, you want, you know, Javante Williams is the more attractive uh, person but Melvin Gordon's the one you're going to have more fun with on the date, and I think that's been what's been the case for these guys so far. It continues to be that way. Javante Williams, 12 or more carries in all three games, finally got used as the pass catcher with 3 of 4 for 33 yards, did have a goal-line fumble, so that's something to watch his usage there. We look at Baltimore. They've actually been taken to task here, guys, against running backs this year so far, especially in the dual running back systems. We look at week one, Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake combined for 22 touches, 110 all-purpose yards, two touchdowns, with both backs getting over double-digit fantasy points in PPR. Then we fast-forward to last week, week three. Williams and Swift, Johnny's favorite combo. They combined for 35 touches, 174 all-purpose yards, and two touchdowns. Both of these backs getting over 14 PPR fantasy points. I like both Denver backs, but I really prefer Melvin, and I absolutely would love Javante Williams if Melvin were to sit with the ribs, but I really like the outlook for both of these backs, especially in this game that projects to be really close, 44-point over-under, only one-point favorites at home. This is going to be a running game. It's going to be a little bit nasty, dirty, freaky, naughty. (laughs) Real (laughs) freaking naughty. Uh Austin, uh before we get into the 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 meat and potatoes of the wide receivers, I wanted to talk about Noah Fant cuz he's still quietly kind of getting there and getting done yeah. here at the tight end position. How are you feeling about Fant in this matchup? <sighs> like I'm
2: going to a boring party. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's something that's on your calendar that when someone's like, "What are you, you doing?" You have to, to like, go. Oh, a party. Yeah, I got a party I'm going to, but this party's you like a thing. Be- got kind of a thing you know what I mean he's the currently the 11th ranked tight end puts him as a back end tight end one right between Mark Andrews and Tyler Higby a couple other big names we like to talk about preseason um, and before this last week I think he was the tight end number six uh, had a had a bad week last week as they will in inconsistent fashion but Noah Fant right now is number two on the team in target share like that issue is this team really doesn't have a ton of volume Teddy Bridgewater is clocking in as 20th in pass attempts there for Denver I love Noah Fant's talent love his role on the team the system is a bit tough, though. Fant, I think, is going to stat out is a fine mid to back end tight end one barring health, but that's just really like a guy you like to say you have more than actually like to see what he does every week. It's like enjoy those six and a half points on average. It's not bad. It's a tight end. It's a mid-level tight end. Johnny, where are we at with the wide receivers? Tim
1: Patrick been a hot waiver at Cortland Sutton, obviously dominating as the one or has been, um, you know, most of the time when he has been the one for Denver, what do we look at when we look at those
0: wide receivers for Denver? It's definitely a scarier matchup on paper than what the reality is. You know, Baltimore, uh, kind of a shell of itself or what we thought they were going to look like coming into the season, giving up 508 yards uh, to receivers and three touchdowns so far this season. So there is room uh, for a good outing. Uh, I definitely think Sutton is a wide receiver, too, with upside, especially with Jerry Judy out. And Tim Patrick, I still believe he is a wide receiver slash flex option for you if you need him. Uh, He does have some upside. Obviously, Teddy trusts him in the red area. And so I do think uh, you can play both of these guys. All
1: right. Well, it is time, folks, to talk about the Sunday night football primetime matchup and, of
0: course, Brady coming home. Yeah, I thought Tampa... I, I thought you were going to open up the show with uh the Hello singing yeah. hello.
1: Singing hello like Adele did on the Sunday yeah. Night football ad. Uh some funny stuff here for Tom Brady as he comes back with all of his toys to New England to face his old team of 20 years in the New England Patriots. But if you like fantasy football content and you want it daily, make sure you are liked and subscribed over on the YouTube channel. It helps us continue to put out these videos for you and it helps you dominate each and every week. So make sure you're sub over on the YouTube channel today. New England in this game, six and a half point home favorites in this 49 point over under. I saw something uh, online that for that basically Tampa Bay is the highest over under in every game they play and they are allowing the, the opposing team implied total to always be the highest one because you know, they're actually, they're getting torched a little bit on, on um, defense, but they have played some better offenses than new England. We will start with that Tampa Bay side of the ball. Austin. I want to start with you because the running backs are maybe the most troublesome question we have Gio Bernard, probably going to miss this game. Would that open up enough work out of the other backs
2: for you to maybe want to start one of them in this matchup as they are road favorites. <laughs> I get the logic behind it, right? It's like Gio last week had nine receptions on 10 targets, 51 yards and a touchdown, and that would get relegated then to the other halfbacks. That's the thought with Gio being out. More work for the other two. But Gio really isn't making a big significant impact for the fantasy situation, and he hasn't had a carry um, yet. Like no carries for Giovanni Bernard. Um, So we talked about that week three performance, nine for 10, 51 yards, a touchdown. But before that, Travi, he had 28 yards on four catches in week one and two combined. So this is volatile at best. Um, That passing work now, though, that won't be going to Giovanni Bernard's way. If it's going to go to one of the two, it's likely going to go to Leonard Fournette. If it's a dump off day, that's going to have more work coming to Fournette which would be good. And that would be the start on this one, but I'm not starting with Leonard Fournette with confidence on this. There's a world where Geo's absence doesn't actually give any benefit over to either one of the backs. Um, this could be a dink and dunk. He could be thrown at Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin. Um, those halfbacks traditionally have not caught the ball. Well, and Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette Leonard Fournette is on the uptick, but I'm not surprised to see Brady just kind of go in another direction. Um, with this one over I could talk on and on about this but that's that's the meat and potatoes on this one it's still going to be that damn you're hoping for more you're it's kind of touchdown dependent neither one's going to get the rock it's Tom Brady's team and he's got a lot of options he's going to be considering throughout the game
1: One of those options is Rob Gronkowski, who's dealing with a rib injury right now. Currently you'll need to continue continue to monitor her status. You might know a lot more by the time you see this or hear this, but I will say this about Gronk. I think he's going to give it every effort to push through whatever injury here, because this is the Patriots. They're going to play. This is a team that Tom and Gronk shared together, a team that maybe put the clamps down disciplinarily more than these two would both like. And I think they're going to want to come out and show out in Boston, in Foxborough for this team. You look at Rob 20% target market share tied for third in the NFL with three targets inside the 10 yard line. He's converted all of them for three touchdowns. His four touchdowns leads all tight ends uh, in the league right now. Going to watch that, but this is a hashtag revenge game. And Johnny, no one is playing that narrative more than Tom Brady this week.
0: Oh yeah, baby. Revenge game. That's <laughs> right. Let's go. Tom Brady is going to waltz in to new England and he is going to put up some points. He is not going to want to stop. He is one. He's going to probably want to hang a 50 burger on him. And, I, and I'm and i being all serious here. Uh, I expect a huge day from Tom Brady. Uh, I understand new England has a somewhat stout defense, giving up the six fewest fancy points, but I don't care. It's Tom freaking Brady. He's going to light this defense up like a torch on the uh, being lit for the Olympics. That's what it's going to be this weekend. Expect four to five touchdowns from Tom Brady. I'm calling it now. He's getting two to Gronk one to at least one to a B. You're still going to start Mike Evans. You're still going to start Chris Godwin, but the main two guys, I believe uh, that end up having the biggest fantasy day receiving wise, are going to be Gronk and A.B. because Tom Brady wants to just stick it to Bill Belichick with his pieces that followed him to Tampa Bay.
1: I know you got something to say, so I'll let you just say it, but I have to jump in here on the wide
2: receivers really quick. Go ahead. I just think this is one of the greatest and most dramatic matchups in the NFL we have ever seen. I am so excited to watch Tom Brady going back into New England against Bill Belichick. I don't think it can be overstated how significant and dramatic and theatrical and historic this matchup is. I am so excited. I am so scared for
1: Mac Jones. I am so scared if I'm Mac Jones, dude, because you have all of this and then, you know, we'll get into New England side of the ball. I just want to say, like, I know that Johnny, you're super jacked on a B you've been talking about him all off season. I know that's the, you know, he's a fine play. I, I need it to be said that Chris Godwin is the one here. We need to be playing Chris Godwin as such. He's dominating in target share. He's going to continue to do that. He is in there for you know two wide receiver sets, and he's going to continue to do that over AB. And then you have Mike Evans as well. I think those are two starts before AB. I just need that to be known here. And then AB is your wide receiver three flex play because he's not going to play as many snaps as those other two wide receivers. He's just not, not going to. So I think that's the key here, but I do like all three of them in this matchup. And I think that's just, that needs to be said though. On the other side of the football, Johnny, when we look at the new England side of the ball or Austin, we're looking at, you know, this is a game where they're going to have to be coming back in. Right. So Mm -hmm. how do we trust Jacoby Myers, who now with James White has an opportunity to maybe even dominate even more of the target market share here?
2: You know, I just like it on an opportunity standpoint here. I was surprised to see that in New England, only three wide receivers have caught a pass. Like, that. only three wide receivers, Jacoby, Bourne, and Nelson Aguilar there, have caught a pass. That just... Really tickled me funny on this one. And between those three, Jacoby Myers is dominating the target percentage there with 24%. Aguilar stats in at 15% and Bourne behind Aguilar. Now, Bourne does the best with his yards per catch, but it's just 13.7 versus 9.3 for Jacoby. And the volume really is not there to support Bourne any week. Um, there's a better flyer on your waiver wire. Don't put him on your squad. Nelson Aguilar had a nice week one. I'm sure he was picked up in a handful of leagues following that. And he's been a little bit of a red zone target along with Jacoby Meyer at 25%, but you'll need that touchdown from Aguilar to make the start worth it given the low passing volume. I'm okay with starting Jacoby Myers. I like he had his best week last week. You mentioned James White coming out. Um I think it's just gonna get better and better for Jacoby this week. I don't love the defensive matchup, but I think they're going to be playing from behind, and I don't think they're really going to have a choice, and I think Jacoby's going to get his and maybe might find a touchdown for the first time this season.
1: Johnny, what are we thinking about Jonu Smith in this particular matchup, even Hunter Henry uh, against Tampa Bay?
0: I do think that he is a, like, this is his chance, you know? Uh, He is one of those guys we we were hoping for a somewhat breakout season. Haven't seen it yet so far, but uh, Tampa Bay giving up the 10th most yards to opposing tight ends this season again the way you attack this Tampa Bay defense uh, is you know through that middle area over the linebackers in that front seven and take advantage of that so I do think similarly to how they would use uh, the slot wide receiver as well I do think that that's what they could use for Jonu and in in the game plan this week so I do it's sketchy but uh, Jonu should be okay this week I
1: wonder if the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick are kind of kicking themselves for trading away Sonny Michelle, because right now they can't get any of these backs to pass block correctly. And it's causing problems with Damian Harris's usage. We've seen Ramondre Stevenson be in the doghouse. So this is not a game where I'm suggesting you go out and start any of these running backs for uh, New England, but I am very much so looking at the usage here. Um, and, And the reason is, you know, look, Tampa Bay, allow the 10th fewest and 7th fewest yards, 10th fewest points, 7th fewest yards, and only one rushing touchdown all year. So we're not starting any of them. But if you look at Dame Harris, he's the top 25 in rushing grade among PFF and one of only 12 backs who have played three games that have two-thirds of his team's rushing attempts. Additionally, he has as many catches this year as he does in all of 2020. Again, the pass blocking is an issue, but the schedule is starting to soften up. I'm definitely targeting him in trade talks right now because of three matchups that are in his next five against bottom 10 rushing defenses. Additionally, J.J. Taylor, who player profiler has comped to Chris Thompson. We are going to take a look at this. We've got uh, James White here uh, who's missed this, but you know James White was even missing part of week three was – in sixth in the NFL after the week ended in RB targets. So we like that. And then we have Ramondre Stevenson. Will he be active? I don't know. He's a preseason superstar. De- definitely maybe the most well-rounded back of all of them because he can catch and, and run. So we'll see if how long. It's definitely just something I'm watching with bated breath here, but it's something I'm definitely watching intently. All right, it's time to talk about the Monday night football matchup. It's a primetime matchup with the Los Angeles Chargers hosting the Las Vegas Raiders in a 52.5 point over under. The Chargers are favored by 3.5, but you would be in our favor if you hit that like button, hit that subscribe over on the YouTube channel and help us grow the channel and continue putting out fresh fantasy football content daily to help you dominate your weekly game. We start with the Las Vegas Raiders guys, and we got to start with the QB one behind the league's best offense. That's right. I'm talking about Derek Carr.
2: That's right. Right. We're talking a lot about Derek Carr because of how well that offense has started, Travi. And you had asked, is Derek Carr a quarterback one now? Well, technically, he's a back end one, as the QB nine. But honestly, to me, that's a little bit kind of surprising and maybe a little bit concerning as well to have the league's fastest and number one offense right now creating the number nine overall quarterback. So it's a little bit why, and I think it has to do with the touchdown upside Derek Carr brings to the table or lack thereof. Now, in the last five seasons, Derek Carr has hit four passing touchdowns a single time. Right now, he's coming in at two passing touchdowns per game. He doesn't have any history of eclipsing that. And I would have thought we'd see at least a little bit of an elevation in this hot start from that touchdown side of it as well it, to me it's a little bit peculiar that he's throwing for more yards and this offense is moving better but he's not getting any more passing touchdowns and he doesn't have any real rushing upside love the yards but i need to know that he's at least capable of those four to five passing touchdown kind of days in a modern era you just kind of need to be able to get to that point like you know we used to say a thousand yards was really like that was the barometer and now it's kind of like 1200. That new metric hasn't been totally solidified, but it's evolving in that direction. And the passing touchdown is evolving in that direction, too. I think it used to be the three. Like if you could hit three touchdowns, you're an elite quarterback on that side. Now it's like two to three is for a good quarterback and three to four is more on that elite upside. And I just haven't seen any of that from Carr throughout his entire career, nor to the start of this hot season. He's a good player. And he's going to be on your team, but I still think he's a little bit more of a, a high upside streamer than he is a solid QB one. That could change, but as of now, that's where I'm clocking him, Travi. Johnny, our friend Evan Silva over at Established to Run had a, a
1: question about, Derek Carr if he would regress back to who he's been before or if he's going to continue this torrid pace what we're seeing are two competing narratives we saw at the beginning of the year we were like well the Raiders aren't very good in the passing attack they're going to rely on Darren Waller they don't have much else behind him now we're seeing that Derek Carr's spreading it around he's got a bunch of weapons he can go to and maybe Waller's suffering what is the narrative that you think is more likely to continue and how do you see this game playing out
0: Yeah, they are certainly getting these wide receivers more involved, which is a good thing if you're a fan of uh, the Raiders, right, or you're the GM. You're like, my pieces are starting to do what I I drafted them to do. And uh, and that was one of the major worries about Darren Waller coming into this season was, hey, if these guys actually start to become the draft values uh, that they were drafted at last year, what does that spell for Darren Waller? And so far, it, it has diminished his value. Darren Waller's not been the tight end that you uh, certainly draft him, that we thought that he would be as well. Uh, and then you're looking at this, you know, couple of past couple of weeks and saying, is this going to be more the, the norm? for Derek cars, or are they going to revert back to where they were? And I, I do think that this is more of the norm. It's unfortunate, but it, it, it's, I mean, unfortunate for fantasy purposes and, and, um, and Waller, but I do think that he'll end up being a good tight end. Maybe he won't get that number one that we were kind of hoping that he'll push Kelsey for, but I do really like this matchup LA chargers, uh, giving up the eighth most fancy points to tight end so far this season they just let Kelsey go over a hundred yards. I definitely think that Waller will bounce back. He only had seven targets in back-to-back games. I think that'll go up a little bit more in this game. They'll utilize him. And then as far as uh, Edwards and rugs, we talked about how they're really kind of stepping up and becoming better options. Uh, rugs, I will say, like he's been looking good, and he seems to be the trust, uh, kind of like the new trust fall for Derek Carr. Uh, back-to-back games with seven targets, three straight games with over hundred air yards, sixth in yards per route um, or yards per reception with twenty-one point five. So I do think that Rugs is normally going to be an interesting wide receiver three dart throw, but not this week because the Chargers giving up the second fewest fancy points to opposing wide receivers, believe it or not, boys. Uh, And then Edwards, again, not getting enough targets quite yet for me to want to throw him into my lineup. And then, I mean, your boy, Renfro, Probably still on your waiver wire. I, you know, again, I'm not trusting. Hunter Renfro, again, A.K.A. Yeah.
1: Johnny without a beard, yeah, uh, is the guy <laughs> we are. We are, you know, looking Don't at PPR matchups. Well, the yeah. reason is Brandon Staley has just really schemed up some really good things. They finally put the yeah. talent together for the Chargers in the back end that has made them though susceptible on the run. And I will talk about now everybody's favorite Peyton Barber after be- <laughs> being nearly dead to the fantasy football world. His career has been re- resurrected, and he warmed up in week two with 13 carries and went. Absolutely ballistic against Miami, 23 for 111. He also added three catches on five targets for 31 yards. It's clear that Gruden wants the offense to establish the run with Thunder, whether that's Jacobs or Barber, and then the Lightning and Drake. We speak of Drake, and we say you know, he's played that Jalen Rashard role of recent years because he's been sub-50% snap share in two of three games. No game with more than eight carries. Don't know why the Raiders went out and paid him so much money, but they are not using him as we thought. Barber is firmly in RB2 this week based on volume alone. Then he gets that uptick because he plays the Chargers, which are currently giving up the most yards per game to running backs, healthy yards per carry, I guess if you're the opposing running back, at 5.1 that they surrender to running backs. And they're currently making the seventh best defense for you to target with your fantasy running back. I will go to Drake now. I think he's a PPR flex play with massive over under, plus Drake has never seen less than five targets and has six targets in back-to-back games. So I do think in PPR, Drake's still going to hold value. I wouldn't dump him in those leagues, but he's definitely not the guy we thought he could be. And in in any injury case with Jacobs, it seems to be Peyton Barber could be plucked off the bench and thrown in to be an RB two. Imagine that. (laughs) We go to the Chargers side of the ball. Austin, there is an RB1 over there, top five running back in Austin Eckler. He is elite and back with us right now as that elite option.
2: Yeah, and he's doing everything we hope to see him do after that somewhat funky week one where he didn't get a target thrown his way. Look, the last two weeks, he's got 100 combined yards through a healthy balance of rushing and receiving work, Travis, and the offense is moving, and he is a big part of it. What I like most, though, about Austin Eckler right now is the lack of competition behind him. Larry Roundtree and Jackson have contributed, get this, 66 total yards. That's rushing and receiving all season long, compared to Eckler's 279 yards. Eckler's also Dominating the red zone looks at 55% of the rush attempts inside of the 20. I don't care what the advanced metrics look like for Austin Eckler. I didn't even look him up, to be honest. He's the number five (laughs) halfback in PPR. He's the number six halfback in standard. Just one positional point differentiating him in a full point PPR or a standard format. The offense is moving. No one's touching his role. He's doing his thing. They're winning games. It's going to keep moving in this direction, barring health.
1: Don't have to look up those advanced stats because Eckler is a beast. We don't need to. He just keeps doing it. I love it. Who else is beasting right now is big Mike Williams for the Chargers, who is a firm wide receiver one. And Johnny, you got to be happy here. You called him as a dark horse in the off season. Is this going to continue? Can we count on BMW continuing
0: to show up and show out here? Oh my goodness, it's been so fun watching him break out this year. Finally, finally, we've seen what he could potentially become. And boy, is it magnificent. And I do think it's going to continue. Listen to this. Sixth in targets right now, 30.8% red zone rate. Number two in red zone targets uh, for all wide receivers with eight. And 100% contested catch rate at four, which doesn't surprise me because he is a why do we call him BMW? Cause he's big Mike Williams. He is a beast. They're finally using him in the right role for what he need, what he can do and to protect his body. You know, there he's, boxing players out. It's fantastic. It's fun to watch. I do think Mike Williams continues this. And then, you know, a lot of people are going to talk about, um, well, Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen is there, Johnny. And like, aren't you worried that all of a sudden Keenan Allen's going to come in and and swoop in a lot of this and take away a lot of this volume. And uh, he's going to regress. Williams is going to regress. I I know it. I'm here to say not so fast, not so fast, boys and girls. Because listen to this. While uh BMW is sixth in targets, it doesn't matter. Keenan Allen's number two in targets. He has a higher red zone rate than uh than BMW at thirty four point six percent. He's number one in red zone targets with nine more than BMW, and he has a hundred percent contested rate as well. But he only has two contested catch rate or contested catches. Excuse me. Over four, not the sexiest matchup on paper, but I'm staying in the flames. These boys are putting in work, they're showing out every week. I continue to have a lot of confidence not only in Keenan Allen, but BMW. I think if people are panicking on our Keenan Allen because he hasn't scored a lot of touchdowns yet, I think you want to try to trade for him because I do think that he'll get more touchdowns. But I do also think that BMW is here to stay, and I think that both these guys are going to be awesome options for you all season.
1: And that means that they must have a really good quarterback that's going to be awesome for you all season as well. And I think that's the case with Justin Herbert, who had back-to-back sub-20-point games in weeks one and two, and then put up that 30-burger in that epic game that they beat the Chiefs in. This is one of my favorite starts of the week because, yes, the Raiders only allow 17 points per game to a closing quarterbacks, but... They played Jacoby Brissett, Big Ben, and Lamar. Not exactly our cream of the crop as far as passers are concerned. None of these guys had the weapons the Chargers have, as Johnny and Austin so astutely put, and none of them are the thrower that Herbert is. Herbert's PFF's number five passer so far this year. The Chargers offense is ranked number five in passing grade per PFF, and the Chargers have the fourth highest implied team total with 28 points. There are some times that matchups look good and you should maybe – temper expectations and then there's other times you throw the matchups out sometimes it's in divisional matchups like this where the teams know each other so well and there's going to be a lot of points scored i think that's what's going to happen here and i'm excited to watch this game and i'm also excited if you whisper nation would hit that like hit that subscribe and join us over on the youtube channel and help us continue to grow this fanny Fan, fan.
0: Fanny. Family. <laughs> Grow the fanny, <laughs> dude. Grow the fanny,
1: dude. All right. Well, that does it for us for part two of the weekly matchup show. Make sure you get part one by subscribing anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you have any further lineup questions, make sure you're subscribed and tune in Sunday morning on YouTube, an hour and a half before kickoff. You can also check fantasywhispers.com for our weekly rankings to help in any lineup conundrums. For Johnny Game Time Hicks and for Austin Sear, I am Big Travy, and we are the Fantasy Whispers. We're out. Peace. Peace. Good luck this
0: weekend. Right here.
1: Congratulations on making it to the end of the video. If you still have a lot to say about fantasy football, maybe you want to give Johnny a little bit of crap for his take today, then go on over to our Discord channel and join the conversation there. Click the link in the description below. And if you still want more content, check out one of these videos.